Uh, hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is Omar Jordan, founder and CEO at Coviant. Uh, Omar, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Vit. It's uh, fun to be on. Uh, excited to uh, chat with you for a few minutes to uh, you know, share our story with your audience and in the world. Awesome. So, Amar, it's fantastic to have you on the show, right? I know you have had an interesting journey, which includes raising capital, acquiring almost more than 400 banks as clients, right? And growing your team over the years. So could you maybe share a bit about your journey and what led you to become uh, the founder and CEO? Well, uh, yeah, we so I started the company and 2015. And prior to that, it was a sort of a hobby, right? Uh, trying to figure out how to, as an entrepreneur, how do I contribute to, uh, uh, you know, this industry that's really going through a, a lot of change An industry that we're in is uh, banking, lending, right? It's a highly regulated industry. And after the financial collapse of 2009, um, there was, there was something that was being created, which is now, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB. Uh, I think they've done a lot of good work to prevent us into uh, going into another financial collapse like the one we had in 2009. But <clears throat> part of that, uh, you know, reality of, of creating the CFPB came a lot of guidelines and a lot of uh, regulations and policy at a, at a government level, at a, at a, at a administration level like the National Credit Union uh, Administration, the FDIC, the CFPB, the OCC, and all of that, right? And, and these are regulators that regulate banks and credit unions. Uh, where I come in specifically is on the lending side, and even more specifically on the home equity, real estate, uh, you know, mortgage side of lending. And so that's even uh, has a lot more regulation because what really caused the collapse was that subprime lending was mortgage lending, uh, and, and doing it recklessly is what really drove a lot of the financial collapse. And so uh, looking at, as a CFPB was unfolding, just seeing what the community banks and the small credit unions uh, throughout the country, they don't have access to uh, legal and compliance department. I mean, you, generally speaking, you're talking about one or two people running compliance and legal. And so, and, and you compare that to maybe a bank like Wells Fargo or Bank of America, they have floors of attorneys and compliance talent that helps them navigate through, you know, the, 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 the you know, that one inch thick guideline of, of how to lend. And so that was what really drove the concept was affording banks and community credit unions the ability to navigate through that by inviting industry top vendors on this platform. Back then it was called Lender Close and we rebranded it to Coviance recently, but that was the crux of where the idea started. And from there, we grew the business to become automation, right? We started to automate a lot of the decisions that, that banks and credit unions are making on a daily basis to underwrite loans. Uh, we started to inject borrower experiences into that by taking the point of sale experience and really enhancing it uh, throughout the process. So that's the crux of what really got started um, as a company early on and what we've become. And, and currently you have partnered with over 
400 credit unions and community banks, right? Showcasing remarkable growth. Can you maybe share some insights into how you managed to attract and retain so many customers so quickly in such a competitive industry? Well, in, in my opinion, not quick enough. If you, <laughs> if you ask me, I'm always at challenging us to onboard more customers and faster because I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I, I get excited about what we do for the industry, but we understand our customers' pain points and we are, right? Every single one of us at Coviance is a customer for our customers. We are buying homes. We are selling homes. We're taking home equity loans and we live through the experience of lending. And so we're not afraid of challenging our customers when they're not looking at the problem in the right light. We're consultative. Uh, we focus on their desired business outcome versus the how. And so that's important for us. You know, when when a customer reaches out to us or we re reach out to them, the discussion isn't let us show you a demo so that you can decide how to apply the technology. It's no, it's asking questions about what is your process? Why? What would you like to do? What does it look like at the board level? What are you guys talking about? What's the customer feedback that you're getting? So it's focusing on the problem and the what, the, the desired business outcome versus figuring out how to do it. That comes later. And on the front end of the process, that's what we do. But once a customer becomes a customer and how we've been able to return, retain customers and, and keep them and grow is that we really take care of our customers. We provide the highest level of customer service possible. Our customer success team and relationship managers make our customers a priority because they are. And we just don't have a churn problem here at Covines because our customers continue to come back on the platform and, and consume more of it. And we're always being creative and inviting them to try out new technology that we uh, continue to put forward. And, and I imagine that one of the biggest factors in your company's success has been your team. And I'd like to talk more about that. So in one of your interviews, you said that empowering the team and practicing passions can be like challenging for many founders, but it is the right thing to do, right? Can you share an example of how empowering your team led to better outcomes, even if it meant like a give up some control? It is uh, a painful process for an entrepreneur who with a company that's that young, right? You think about a company that's five or six old for me to, to start to let go of a lot of those elements and empower the team. It, it's a, it's a 12 months meditation process, right? And so it's not hard or it's not easy to accomplish. Even to this day, I'm always uh, catching myself from, from telling someone how to do their job. Right. And, 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 but but empowering the team have allowed me to uh, work or stress less because I'm not too involved in everything. That's that's one. Two, you hire good talent with experience. So I'm I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. And the other thing about us is we are a strong, diverse team too. We come from different backgrounds. It's not just race and gender. That doesn't for us. That's not diverse enough. But there are single parents, there are army veterans, there are immigrants whom we actually sponsor to become green card holders. And so the biggest contribution 
uh, I believe we capture out of diverse organization is through the different experiences that we have gone through in our life. And, and that contributes immensely to our culture. But uh, I believe in empowering the team. I believe in empowering the culture um, and, and working together on accomplishing the objective. And really, one of our product, man, actually our VP product just recently have done business with a local community bank or credit union. And uh, she applied for a home equity loan and it took 45 days. And, you know, and just going through that experience uh, allowed her to think about the aha moment. This is why I do what I do. This is why we focus on speeding up the process. And and from there, we start to build around it. So having gone through that experience empowered her to understand uh, the process even more. And you also, you have emphasized the unique mix of male and female team members at Covivance, right? Especially in the in the financial tax sector, it's yeah. super important, right? Can you can you discuss the importance of diversity in tech, fintech, in finance, and how how this contributed to your company's success? Um, it's 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 funny because I think at some point I did say that at some point at some point uh, maybe we still do we had almost a 50-50 male-female split in our technology and product teams. Uh, And it's quite unique in Iowa, especially because we are, you know, Iowa's not necessarily uh, uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, I call it Silicon Valley, to be funny. But it's, uh, you know, we've got an interesting scene of uh, fintech in, in the Midwest, an interesting uh, a group of talent too, and really hardworking individuals too. That that the you know the level of contribution that we get out of the team. Um, every single staff member here is essential, and they understand that coming into the company. You know we're a startup, so we all have to contribute towards moving the business forward. And uh, this weekend, I remember coming in, our CTO, our chief technology officer walks in on the weekend to empty out the fridge. She didn't have to do that, right? No one is bigger than the mission, regardless of what their title is. And so, uh, you know, I see our chief revenue officer on calls with credit unions and community banks that are really, really small and they're only doing one or two uh, files a month. I see a lot of our uh, technology folks going over to the sales team and and saying, hey, what is in your way to make sure we help you move this deal forward, whatever the size of the customer is. And so just rallying behind the mission. But it starts at the top. For me, it starts at the leadership. And if leadership is showing that momentum, if leadership is contributing uh, to the, you know, moving the business forward, and if you're humble enough to really roll your sleeves and, and work with your team, uh, it, it really shows who you are as a, as a leader and, and, and it really pays forward uh, the, what the staff is willing to put into it. Yeah, in, in today's world, diversity and inclusion are important, right? But what about like uh, diversity from a global perspective? Early this year, A16, the podcast released a new episode with uh, Angela Strange and other journal partners of Anderson Horowitz, where they discussed this conception of uh, default global company, 
the, the company of the future is default global. That's basically what, what they uh, told us, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the fintech space. So do you believe uh, that future companies should be uh, global by, by default from the start where nationality, location, uh, location of those talent doesn't matter anymore? Well, we're seeing it happen and unfold across uh, a new scene of fintech for the last, you know, let's say since COVID uh, took place. It showed us how to work together remotely and, and, and do it efficiently. I, I know a lot of companies who are 100% remote and uh, they have talent, uh, a lot of talent outside the United States. In fact, I just met one last week at a mortgage banking conference that actually has talent in, uh, you know, S South America. Uh, that contributes to uh, what they're doing. And so we're, we're absolutely seeing that cross-pollination of talent throughout the uh, continents, uh, you know, all, all across the country. Do I believe it has to be that way? It doesn't have to be that way, but it should be simplified to allow that. I think uh, the, the, the one challenge that we have as United States companies is the legislative, right, challenges that we have to go through to hire someone that's beyond our borders. And I think, you know, simplifying the process would make it a lot more uh, appetizing for us to, to, to explore. But, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, you can find really, really good talented people that's hungry for work uh, outside the borders. And, and I even remember at some point uh, we had uh, a shortage of talent uh, about a year or two ago. And, and I don't recall what the numbers are today, but uh, having having access to a, a global set of talent really allows us to move not only our business forward but the country forward and the global economy forward um so i i'm totally for that and supportive of it it'll, it'll be fun to see a lot more legislation around it that helps us as business leaders really understand it more right simplify it and uh, maybe a unified process that helps us to uh, that's easy to consume right to help us recruit uh, talent overseas. So uh, you, you're not recruiting outside of the US at this point, yeah? Um, I don't, well, we're right now, um, we have 75 employees and uh, I don't, we have, I mean, we have people that are uh, from India, I should say. And in some cases they actually take vacations and they uh, end up working from India for a month or two uh, as they're going to see their family. But I don't know that we, uh, I know we've contracted some at some point. Uh, I want to say in the Ukraine too, uh, where we had some UI talent uh, down there uh, as on a contract basis early on, right? And then you start to bring in some of that talent in here because we can, you know, white, whiteboard sessions and things like that. But we're open to it. Uh, are we putting anything online right now for uh, recruiting uh, overseas? Uh, no, because we're not hiring aggressively today, right? Uh, as as we start to hire aggressively, uh, absolutely, it's uh, you know remote work is uh, is a theme for us as a fintech. And have you ever thought about global expansion from business perspective? <clears throat> um, not really. Um, I'll tell you why. Because what we do, right? It's not we're not a fintech in terms of um, other fintechs. We're on. United States mortgage. So we understand the U United States law around how to take out a mortgage loan. Uh, I couldn't tell you how they do it in Europe or Russia or, you know, the Middle East. Um, 
you know, we just, we took, we, we understand the CFPB requirements for how a mortgage gets originated. We understand our customers. And so we've got 10,000 banks and credit unions that we are, uh, you know, talking to every day. So there's enough market for us in the United States to really, really be disruptive and, 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 and have a healthy business. Uh, if, if, you know, once that's captured, I'd say a majority of it is, then maybe something we consider. Then there are fintechs in this space uh, that are much larger than us. You know, you think about the core processors like Fiserv and FIS and uh, Jack Henry. Those are global uh, big fintechs that actually have penetration in, in other countries. And I suspect, uh, you know, the, it comes through acquisition. But I couldn't tell you how a mortgage is processed in London, right? Uh, be interesting to explore. I think it'd be a huge distraction for us. And we're focused on just growing our business uh, in, this, in, in the market that we understand, right? Got it. Got it. Uh, from from your previous interviews, I found a few nuggets that I personally found very interesting as a founder and as an entrepreneur. You have mentioned uh, that entrepreneurs often lie to themselves, uh, uh, yeah. which is which is intriguing, right? Yeah. Can you can you elaborate on this point and give a sort of example of when entrepreneurs uh, should watch out for fooling themselves? Well, a lot of entrepreneurs that talk to their friends and their parents and their family. Uh, I think those are the uh, sometimes uh, risky prospects to to talk to, or even themselves too. And then I've done it before too, where like, oh, I'm going to make this idea and it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to buy it. Why wouldn't they buy it, right? Why wouldn't they spend a dollar or 10% of their income to buy this? It just happens every day. Uh, and I think the, the real test comes is uh, w- when you actually go to market with it and So when I'm thinking about an idea, uh, you know, I have my board of directors, uh, which I'm grateful for because these are people that actually live in the industry and deal with the problems that we're trying to solve in some capacity. Uh, I've got mentors that I run ideas by. Uh, I don't talk to, you know, necessarily my mom about uh, whether or not she thinks an idea is great because she's always going to tell me I'm thinking about it the right way. I mean, that's what family's supposed to do and friends. And so, Uh, I was talking to my, our customers, constantly talking to our customers and prospects um, and, and really just talking to when I first started, it was, uh, uh, you know, just attending a conference or two and just pulling someone aside and say, this is what I'm thinking about in terms of solving your problem. Is that something you would buy and what would you pay for it? Uh, not committing them to a sale or anything, but really understanding You know, just because you are willing to pay for it, right, doesn't mean everyone else is willing to pay for it. Uh, and, and I think that's where we have to be careful as entrepreneurs and uh, thinking about a problem. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've been there <laughs> a couple of times. So uh, also previously you 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 mentioned you you have highlighted the importance of focusing on on that what rather than how right yeah. can you can you explain how this approach has benefited your leadership style yeah and i had to learn that actually uh you know uh, my the team that i hired the the, ex- the executive leadership team that i hired uh, you know as an entrepreneur i'm always coming up with ideas right i'm always trying to fix problems because that's what i do uh so all entrepreneurs do we're fixing problems And, uh, you know, a lot of the time, my, 
my team stops me and think, well, what business problem are you trying to solve? Right. And so, you know, I can go into a room and say, hey, we need to onboard 10 more customers this month and do this. And, and, and you know, we're not going to spend money on that. And again, then somebody stops me, usually says, well, OK, great. What business problem are you trying to solve? Then we start to talk about that and you think, oh, that's not that's not the the how is not necessarily the right way to fix the business problem. So I'll take it to you from a from our customer's perspective. Most of our customers have uh, what, what's called a loan originating system. And the loan originating system allows them to, you know, compliance their lending, allows them to underwrite their decisions, allows them to uh, take an application in and and fund the loan and then send the data back to the core processor, which is a lot of work, which is, you know, the heart of a bank and, and or a credit union. Well, if they have a, a speed problem in lending, most of the time they go to the how, which is I need a brand new loan originating system. Okay. But they don't think about, well, what is it that you're trying to solve? Well, I want to be faster. I want to give my borrowers a better experience and I want to be efficient. Well, that's not a loan originating system problem. That's either a process problem that you have, right? And an add-on to the LOS that you're missing, maybe, right? And so let's focus on the what is it that you're trying to accomplish before you focus on the how. And that's how we, uh, not only does it impact our leadership here at, at Coviance, but it's how we talk to our customers when we talk to them about some of the things they are thinking about when we run to someone at the conference or something. We're thinking about a brand new loan loaning system. What are you trying to solve? What problem are you trying to solve? And speaking about what, what are some emerging trends or uh, changes in the lending or in fintech sector role uh, that that you are keeping an eye on? Um. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I'm keeping an eye on on a few things, and I'm interested in, and I, I spoke to um, a, a board member, uh, his name was Rodney Hood, just not too long ago uh, at the NCUA. And the one thing that he mentioned, which I got excited about, was the fact that our credit score, the way we uh, rate our borrowers today in America is through what's called a credit score, a FICO score. And what's interesting about that is it's got a, a tremendous amount of impact on how lending decisions are being made today. And lending decisions not only impact uh, the specific borrower that's being uh, lent to uh, or not lent to in that case, but it impacts a culture, it impacts a community, it impacts a neighborhood, uh, it impacts uh, a business, a family, uh, a child's, uh, you know, way to go to college and, and be able to afford it. And so there's a lot of uh, talk around, is this the right way for us to explore someone's credibility uh, to borrow money? So it'll be interesting to see where the industry uh, goes from there. We actually continue to score people uh, based on their past credit or do we talk about do we involve behavior and, and, and more than just actual transactional credit into their credit score and then the other segment that i'm interested in exploring i keep hearing about ai um, in 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 lending specifically and i think uh, it's interesting to watch i don't know what the 
what the appetite for it is. I don't know where the mistakes are going to be made for massive consequences to lenders. And so understanding what is AI and what the definition of it is and how does it apply to uh, our heavily regulated industry uh, is, is going to be interesting for me to watch. Yeah, 100%. AI is everywhere yeah. nowadays. And probably my last question, what uh, three key pieces of advice would you offer uh, like young entrepreneurs based on your journey and experiences? Uh, great question. I love this question. And, and for me, it's uh, number one, and everybody will tell you about that here. And I, I, I'm always transparent, no matter what is coming out of my mouth. I am transparent. Um, business isn't doing good. I'm calling my investors and telling them uh, business is doing great. I'm letting everybody know um, if there's something uh, that I'm afraid to say. Don't care. You got to say it. you have to be transparent because transparency builds trust. No matter what is the outcome of what you're about to say, transparency is key in business. Uh, be humble. Number two, be humble. Uh, take the time to really show appreciation to your customers. You go to a conference, uh, you meet someone, write them a little note, uh, send it to them, uh, to your prospects, and especially your team, right? I, I, I think there's opportunity for me to grow here, but uh, always, but I try to go out of my way to say someone that they're doing a good job and I appreciate what they do. And, uh, you know, if you're a startup, if you're an entrepreneur that's starting out today, and if you're not working more than your team is, uh, then don't expect them to do the same. People are inspired by how much you're contributing to your business. And you got to hire people that are willing to roll their sleeves and work hard for you. Uh, and so, you know, starting out a business is not easy. It never was, and it won't be. Uh, it requires a tremendous amount of dedication. You're raising a, a baby, an infant. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, waking up every two hours to feed the baby. Omar, thank you so much for coming on the show and diving into your entrepreneurial journey, the importance of team dynamics and diversity, those key insights and advice for tech founders. Just, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for the time. Wishing you all the best. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon, Vit.